the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things, put them in your brain. Hi, and welcome to Funk Radio, your favorite podcast for all your favorite funky hits. This is your host, Peter. And this is your co-host, Kyle. That's right. Today on Funk Radio, I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about songs that reference either sunshine or rain, because there's actually a lot of funk and soul type songs that are really based around this concept, which I found kind of interesting. I I think that the subject for this week is actually pretty apt because of the crazy weather we've been having down here. It's like rainy one day, and it rained yesterday, and then I guess by the end of this week, it's supposed to be in like the 80s and 90s again. Oh, again? Yep. <laughs> For anyone who's not familiar with Southern California weather, it's been ungodly hot here all summer, and it still is. Yeah. Although the last week or two, we've had scattered days of completely clouds and sometimes rain, so acting a little strange. Hopefully it'll cool down. But weather, just in general, I think it really can evoke strong feelings in people, which is probably why there's a lot of songs about that. There's that psychological disease called SAD. Uh, it's seasonal affective disorder, you know, being shut in in the in the uh, seasons like winter and spring where it rains or snows can actually like cause people to become depressed, mm-hmm. both because they're not getting the vitamins that sunshine provides and they're having less social interaction. <laughs> I love that it's called sad though. I don't know why. That's just like so ironic. Well, let's get started then with our list of songs here. Uh, the first one we want to bring up today is called Everybody Loves the Sunshine by Roy Ayers. It was released in 1976 on his album of the same name. Let's take a listen to Everybody Loves the Sunshine. Sunshine. Everybody loves the sunshine. Sunshine. Funny thing, I, I guess I didn't know this, but he was actually originally a jazz artist. And then later on, he kind of started to pioneer in the jazz slash funk type of thing, which is pretty cool. Because uh, that was kind of a movement that was happening around this time period. And then he later moved on from there into more regular R&B type stuff. Which is, I think, Everybody Loves the Sunshine is kind of in the mix between jazz, funk, R&B. Yeah. It, de- it definitely it definitely has that sort of like jazzy undertone. I can definitely see that. Yeah. And it's kind of got that like uh, intermittent like beat or like the tempo changes. Yeah, yeah. Jazz like. Yeah, it's a it's a good song. Something I didn't know about Roy Ayers is that apparently he did the soundtrack to the black exploitation film Coffee, C O F F Y, not coffee that you drink. It's like the drink, but spelled different. <laughs> That's the tagline for the film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I actually watched Coffee uh, six or seven months ago. It was actually really good because a lot of black exploitation films. This is a subject I want to talk about in a different episode. But I would say most of them are really poorly made, just because part of the whole thing with that subgenre is that it's, they're all really low budget black people movies, basically. I mean, <laughs> there's no better way to say it than that. And there were there was a lot of political social undertones that created this subgenre as well. But Coffee, Coffee, I would say was Definitely one of the better done ones that I've seen. Now, I know you're saying coffee is good, but is it better than Watermelon Man? Well, the thing about Watermelon Man was that it wasn't really black exploitation, first of all. It, yeah, it was It was more... I mean, it, it was in a sense, but it was more of like 
it was a comedic look at racism from a black point of view, but it was exaggerating of the racism and general dorkiness of white people. Yeah, the idea of Watermelon Man, which uh, it came out in the 70s at some point. Basically, there's this white guy, and he's kind of, he's not, like, racist in the, gen- in, like, the regular sense. He's more just kind of, like, makes little jokes and stuff, and he's kind of just more like an idiot. And then <laughs> one day he wakes up, and he's black, and so he runs around his house screaming, I'm black, I'm black. <laughs> It's just, it's such a terrible movie, but it's kind of funny. Just, I don't know if it's really worth watching, but uh, you should at least look it up. I think, and try I to think it's, worth, it's worth watching once and then crying about during possibly having a shot of vodka with yeah, it. Yeah, that was an interesting movie. Moving on past, Bla- we should do an episode on black exploitation though. There's so much good stuff there. Going back to the topic of uh, weather, which I believe I am very familiar with because my last name is Storms. Cool. Um, another artist we found is Heatwave has a song called Send Out for Sunshine. Came off their 1978 album Central Heating, which is arguably the most popular album. Let's listen to a clip of Send Out for Sunshine by Heatwave. The song, the song itself isn't wasn't like a single or anything off the album. It was just one of the tracks off off of the release. But the whole album—it's a good album. I as like a whole, it. very successful. They have that. They have the song on their uh, groove line, yeah, yeah. which is probably one of the most popular songs. The band over the years was made up of a lot of people and kind of was considered like an international funk band. In fact, one of the founding members, Johnny Wilder, initially he was stationed in Germany. Once he uh, got his leave from the military, he stayed in Germany and did, like, the disco and soul uh, circuit around mm-hmm. there, singing in clubs, and became famous, and then came back here and uh, was one of the founding members of the band. German, or was he American? So, no, he's Amer- he was American stationed in Germany. Oh, okay. But it's just funny, because he got his first, like, uh, musical experience abroad, mm-hmm. I guess. That's cool. Um, it's kind of sad, though, because he was one of the founders of the band, but in, like, 1979... He was in a tragic car accident, and it left him paralyzed from the neck down. Oof. Despite being able to, unable to really perform in the band anymore, obviously, he still stayed on and produced with them for the remainder of their, I guess, popular days. That's cool. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of gusto and determination there to be able to yeah. do that. Well, I mean, 79, I'm trying to think, because I, I mean, late, they like were I mostly said, late the, 70s, so I, I guess they were around a little Yeah, they, I think they came out with an album in like 82 or something, but it didn't. it wasn't nearly as successful. Oh, okay. So, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I can't say if him being unable to perform with the group hurt them in any way. But, yeah, they kind of were on the downslide after 79. Yeah. So Another song that came into my head about this subject was a song called Sunshine by a band called Enchantment. This song was released on their eponymous debut album in 1976. Mr. Peter, what does eponymous mean? Eponymous means it's called the same name as them, so... Their Enchantment, oh. their first an eponymous album. That means their first album was also called Enchantment. I learned a new word today. Thanks, Mr. Peter. And you learned a new word too, funky listeners. <laughs> anyway, let's hear a clip of this song really quick.
that's definitely uh, a more ballady, slow love song type song, I would say. But it was one of the most popular songs from that album. And it reached number three on the R&B chart in 1977. And number three, that's actually very high. So that's pretty cool. That's almost number two. <laughs> that's true. I don't have that much else to say about this group or this song, but uh, it's a song that came to mind. Yeah. And it's a song I like. Another song that was one of the first ones that I could think of, actually, is from an artist that I'm sure a lot of you will know, Bill Withers. Yeah. He sang the song Ain't No Sunshine, which we can uh, let's do a little clip of right now. Probably his most famous song. Definitely. Although he has a lot of famous songs, but that's probably his most Definitely famous. Definitely his, fam- his most famous song. It's basically what put him on the map. Yeah. What's funny, when I was researching about the song, it was actually produced by Booger T. Jones, who you may know from Booker T and the MGs. They sang that song, Green Onions. I didn't sing. They performed that song, Green Onions. It's instrumental. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, I guess Withers was originally inspired to write the song after watching the uh, 1962 movie Days of Wine and Roses, which is a pretty famous film starring Lee Remick and Jack Lemmon. And he explained, in reference to the characters that were played by those two, he said, quote, they were both alcoholics who were alternately weak and strong. It's like going back for seconds on rat poison. Sometimes you miss things that weren't particularly good for you. It's just something that crossed my mind from watching that movie and probably something else that happened in my life that I'm not aware of. Hmm. It's a a more somber song, and you can definitely tell there's a lot of pain there, so I'm sure that it was both the sort of darkness that was the movie and the the way the movie addressed alcoholism Mm -hmm. and probably some of his own personal turmoil thrown in there as well. Right. The funny thing was this was his first song, and I remember reading as well that... Because before this, he, he had no musical um, exposure. And he was actually like, I think he was like working in a factory putting toilet seats in airplanes. Um, right, yeah. And he, um, when he would play the song initially, there, there was a really famous part in the song where he says, I know, I know, like over and over, like 20 times. Yeah. And he initially said, he's like, you know, I just threw that in there because I just, I couldn't think of any other words to put. And I <laughs> tended to change it. That's funny. But he's like... When I uh, when I played it and I spoke with other musicians, they basically said like, "That's great, leave it the way it is." So I listened to them because they knew what they were doing. That's really funny. I never knew that. Uh, yeah, and that's like a really distinctive part of that song. Yeah, showing more about how it was basically his breakout song that made him an incredibly famous uh, musician at the time. It actually won a uh, Grammy for best R&B song in 1972. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I'm eating a piece of candy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> would you say the candy is pretty crunchy peter <laughs> it is because snickers oh i love snickers are you eating halloween candy before halloween well the kids got some candy from some event at school and i'm, I'm just been slowly stealing candy from them <laughs> ain't no sunshine is a good example of a song that pretty much everyone has heard uh one that probably fewer people have heard is called walking in the rain with the one i love by a band called love unlimited I don't remember if we actually mentioned this before, but when we a few episodes ago when we were talking about Love Making Music and we mentioned Barry White, I learned that before he was a solo artist, he was actually the backing vocalist for this band Love Unlimited, which was made up of three females, which when I was looking them up, actually, I think it was his future wife, 
his sister and then like their cousin i believe so that was kind of interesting that's pretty cool but this group really being part of this group was really what got his career rolling in terms of being a singer let's listen to a clip of walking in the rain with the one i love Yeah, not a bad song. Another one that's a little bit more slower and love-songy. This was actually their first hit, and it actually reached gold status by selling a million records in 1972, which is a lot. This Now, they would have another song. I don't remember on top of my head what it was called, but in the next year or two, they had another song that reached number one. So this was their first hit, but it wasn't the most popular. Getting back to, I guess, another group that a lot of people have heard of, we're kind of alternating between like popular people and... like. Less popular. Yeah, I got in our in our listing. It's kind of cool. Another another uh, song that came to mind for me was uh, "I Wish It Would Rain" by The Temptations. Temptations, obviously, as a lot of people know, were one of the original Motown type bands. Right. They were originally more of a harmony band, but they kind of got molded into more of a soulful sound in the late '60s, early '70s. Mm-hmm. This song was actually recorded in 1967 and uh, produced by The Temptations and Norman Whitfeld, who is credited as basically one of the originators of the Motown sound, mm-hmm. and it peaked uh, in like February 68 at number four on the pop charts. Pop charts obviously being more, I, guess, I wouldn't say more established than the R&B charts, but wider audience. Well, I mean, just by definition, it's more popular. Yeah, pop popular, exactly. So that was a pretty big deal for them. Yeah. The song the song in particular stood out because, to me, it, it, it seems it's one of their more somber songs, because they're, they're, they, were, they were originally very upbeat and whatnot but um yeah with this song it was written by obviously whitfeld and also uh famous motown lyricist roger penzabine and i guess penzabine was noted as saying that he when he wrote the song he found out that his wife was cheating on him with another man oh, so he was yeah yeah in, in the idea of trying to cope with the pain of that and he basically said you know i can't stop loving my wife even though she cheated on me he uh, expressed his anguish in the lyrics of the song, which you can de- can definitely be heard uh, in the vocals. Wow. That definitely adds a lot of like meaning to the song I didn't know about before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, a lot of these ra- songs about rain, rain is very much... Um, a sad thing. ...connected to sad, somber feelings. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's like a way of expressing yourself and I guess a way of verbally crying without without actually having to do so but yeah let's listen to a clip of i wish it would rain by the temptations and you guys can judge for yourselves it might sound strange but i wish it would rain so yeah Pretty good song. A lot of a lot of anguish in the in the guy's voice in this in the song itself. So uh, I mean, uh, obviously this that was a kind of a turning point for the Temptations a bit because prior to then they, their songs were much more upbeat, and then they came out with this song that was much more heavy, but it still really uh, gained track and popularity. So it kind of allowed them to expand their uh, I guess emotional and lyrical range mm-hmm. and just musical range in general. Well, just on top of my head, and the one that they did that was really somber was Papa Was Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah. And that's like one of their most famous songs. Mm-hmm. The last song we have on our list for today is called I Can't Stand the Rain by Ann Peebles. And I just 
So this song was released in 1973 as a single under high records and reached number 38 on the U.S. pop chart. So not that high, but at least in the top 40, which is cool. It was redone by a lot of artists I know, too. More recently, I think Missy Elliott did a cover. Mm-hmm. She was kind of popular about seven or eight years ago. Cool. It's funny because when I was uh, when I thought of the song, I remember that John Lennon of The Bayos said <laughs> in an interview... Yeah, he he definitely he liked this song, and he I remember he said in an interview with uh, Billboard magazine he said it was basically the best song ever, mm. and so obviously one of those songs that kind of helped inspire him as a, as an artist. So that's always mm. nice. So yeah, those are that's a good list of songs that we came up with referencing the weather. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, we have three that have the word rain in them, and then four that have sunshine. So that's it's a fairly common concept, I would say. Are there any that have thunder? Oh. That song, oh, knock on wood, thank you. by Amy Stewart, I think. Yeah, thun- it's not. It's it, the lyrics in the song. I guess not the title, but I remember. Yeah. They talk about thunder and lightning. That's true. It was very, very frightening. <laughs> well, we can. Mamma mia, mamma mia. <laughs> now I'm doing Queen. Good job, Kyle. <laughs> well, we can have a different episode of just about thunder. We could just play that one. Song. And then we could just be like thunder. Funk <laughs> radio now with thunder. <laughs> We could sit here and try to come up with more conversation about the weather, but I don't think our listeners necessarily want to hear that. Oh. No. <laughs> I think, oh, I know something. I'm gonna. This is going to sound terrible, but a little bit of self-promotion here. A couple days ago, I just released my Android game called Rotary, which is a, it's a puzzle game where you solve circular puzzles uh, that create photographs. So it's, it's a kind of cool game. It's still, I'm still updating it a little bit, but it is available in the Android store now if you feel like playing it. And does this game cost money, Mr. Peter? No, Mr. Kyle. No, it's, it's free. So if you guys like puzzles, wasting time, go check that out. Everyone's like fanboying over all the Apple stuff that came out today. The new, the new iPad Mini, the base price is like three hundred and thirty dollars. I'm just like, yeah, no. Wait, what is it? I've never, I never, I didn't hear anything about what happened. It's okay. You know, they have like the Kindle Fire and the Nook thing. They're like color tablets that are made mainly used for e-reading and stuff. Yeah. Well, the iPod Mini, iPad Mini, sorry, is supposed to compete with those because it's like a, it's small like them and similar size, but it's mm. supposedly more powerful and stuff. But I know the Kindle Fire is like $200, and the iPad mini is 330 for the base model. So everyone's just like... Well, that's Apple for you. <laughs> what's, you can, well, the same thing with uh, just regular tablets, too, is that you can get one for a lot cheaper with any other brand, but Apple's like $500 at least. Yeah. 650 But what's ridiculous is, like, because the, the base iPad mini is like 330 mm-hmm. and for like 60 like 70 more dollars, you can get a regular iPad. So unless you... Oh purposely wow! Want the, purposely want the compactitude of the mini. Why would you not just shell out another seventy bucks and get like a full blown iPad? Yeah. Like, I well, I mean, if... I'm looking at the page on the uh, Apple website right now, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, you know, this it looks bigger than a phone by far, but smaller than the iPad. Yeah, it's like the size of because I have that Kindle Touch, not the color one, but the regular one. It's like the size of my Kindle. Okay. It's not very big. Um, Again, not really something you can fit in your pocket. No, I, I don't think that was ever in the purpose. I think they were really just trying to compete with the e-readers. Like right, the, like, right. Because, int- I mean, the iPad has already been a competitor. I guess I'm not sure why 
they need another version. Because they're trying to pander to like every market base they possibly can. So the the people in between the iPhone and the iPad. Exactly. There's supposedly some market of people that need something supposedly. in between. Well, it's because since the e-reader explosion, when the Kindle Fire came out and the Nook Color or whatever it's called, those have become like ridiculously successful. And people right. are just like, why the heck would people buy an iPad when they could buy this? It is the same thing, and it's smaller, and third of the price. So Apple's like, well, wait a second, they're taking money out of our, out of our mouths. Hmm. I mean, I'm not the biggest Apple fanboy by any means. What I was really impressed with, have you seen the new iMacs? No, what's that? The regular desktop computer, the all-in-one. Oh, iMac. It's like crazy thin now. I don't even know how they fit all that stuff in there. The MacBook Pro? No, 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 no. The, the de- their desktop computer, the iMac. Oh, I'm looking. Okay, I got it. Holy crap, that's... <laughs> Whoa, okay. Right? And it's like, it has a solid slate of hard drive. It has a uh, NVIDIA GeForce graphics processor. How they got all that in there. Oh, my God. The one thing, the one thing okay. I don't like about it is, similar to the MacBook Air, it got rid of its optical drive. So you have to go and buy that stupid uh, external one to run CDs. Uh, yeah, but I, 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 I almost never used That's what I was my... saying, though. I don't know how important an optical drive is with computers anymore, because... You get your games from Steam, you download them, you don't need them. Half yeah. the programs you can download straight from the websites now, you don't need a hard copy. Um, unless you're burning a DVD or burning a CD, there is very little point to having an optical drive on a lot of computers right now. Yeah, definitely the discs are, I think, finally... I think they're really on their way out. I think a lot of stuff is going digital. Yeah, I'm kind of happy that that's happening. I am I'm too. I'm kind of waiting for that to happen for a while. Yeah, I am too. Especially with, you know, with the, the discs for games they have now, they all have that DRM stuff where you basically can't share it or even right. install it twice on a computer. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad that they're going they're going the way the dinosaur that way because that was just unnecessary and arbitrary. That's our tech talk of the week. Yeah, actually, well, one last thing. If anyone is interested looking at the new iMac computer, the starting price is $1,300, and... The 27, that's for the 21.5 inch. And the 27 inch is $1,800, so... My logic is, if you don't want to shell out a bunch of money, but you want iOS, get the Mac Mini, that little thingy. Or if you're if you're uh, very technologically savvy, you could just make your own Hackintosh, as people call them. I've never heard of that, but that's cool. They basically build their own computers and then make it so they can run iOS. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's enough tech for now, I guess. <laughs> we, should, we should have a spin-off show called Techie Radio. I just caught a bug in my hand like freaking Jackie Chan. I'm awesome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you smash a bug on one of our earlier episodes? Yes, I did. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Like us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on Facebook. I said that completely backwards, but you know what I meant. Funk <laughs> uh, Radio. Your favorite folk of hits. This has been your host, Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle. Goodbye. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.